This is the Ladies Edition podcast by Real Women, where we discuss the adversity and absolute foolishness that comes with women's reproductive issues. It is the mission of the Ladies Edition podcast to inspire, educate, and shine a light on and in RV Valley while empowering women everywhere. Welcome to the Ladies Edition podcast. I am one of your co-host Shamika. I am the host of Check the Rhymes TV and you can find me on YouTube and I also run the Mofo Chronicles blog at themofochronicles.com. Now let me introduce you to my co-host. Hey, this is Shelly Cheyenne. I am a certified life coach with um, my coaching practice, Coaching by Shelly, and the podcast uh, host of Chit Chat with Shelly Cheyenne. So yeah. We welcome, Shelly. Good to see you again. Welcome. Or welcome hear again. you again. Yeah, it's always good to talk <laughs> to you. <laughs> this is a special episode because I feel like there's always so many questions surrounding, you know, whether it is you're venturing into going to have a hysterectomy, you're getting your fibroids removed, you know, yeah. anything that deals with down there, like there's a ton of questions. So we kind yeah. of scoured the internet to find some of the top questions we kept seeing over and over. And actually some of these questions we had ourselves. Yes, definitely. And, you know, some may seem like, I don't know. I mean, we're, we just picked out a few that Shamika and I have had that we've been asked that we've read. Um, and there's tons more. <laughs> there's tons more, but these are like the main ones that constantly are asked over and over and over again. So we just thought we'd um, do an episode to answer some of them from our own experiences. All right. Well, I'm going to kick this off by asking the biggest question that I have seen. And this is for those <laughs> of you that are about to have a hysterectomy, thinking about a hysterectomy, or just had a hysterectomy. What is a cuff? Shelly, did you like knew all about the cuff before I did? I'm gonna let you take this one. Okay. So it's funny how many women don't know what this is. I didn't know. Shamika didn't know. I daughter gone there scared her when I, when I told her about this, but I had started reading a bunch of stuff about this vagina cuff. What is a cuff? What does it do? Is it a device that's inserted in you? Is it like an IUD? What, what happens? And this happens usually after you get either a total hysterectomy or you have, you know, a hysterectomy of any kind. I know there's like three different, different ones, but anyway, if you have a hysterectomy, um, and your doctor, some don't tell you about the cuff. So it, this is usually what it is, um, what usually happens to you after you have a, a hysterectomy. A vaginal cuff is a closure made at the top of the vagina near the cervix. And it's usually um, stitched together with the top part of the vagina um, after a radical hysterectomy. So it's like, I just envision it. And I do want to see this somewhere. I'm going to Google it. Mm. But I envision it to, to be like if you're sewing a hole in your shirt closed. That's pretty much what I am thinking it looks like, but it basically is to prevent um, any, any of your other organs. Cause once you have a hysterectomy and that uterus is removed, 
it takes a while sometimes for your other organs that's in there near the uterus to get situated and, and realign itself, figure itself out. Um, and you don't want those having the ability to, you know, sit so close to your vaginal, I think the pelvic floor area to where it, it'll come out through your, your vagina. So clothes, having a cuff, which many women get, and they don't know that they get it. Um, that's what a cuff is. It's to prevent any kind of prolapsed, um, you know, bladder or anything else that, that may happen. So now is that just in, if the cervix is removed or is it for those that keep their cervix? I believe it is, it is when the cervix is removed. Okay. So, and I think, um, and we're going to have a, a doctor, a specialist on, um, at some point to go over a lot of different things, but I, I really don't hear a lot of women who have not had their cervix removed, talk about the cuff. And I believe that's why, because if you keep your cervix then you don't, you don't need it, but I didn't keep my cervix. I wanted, you know, they, they removed that. And all I have is my ovaries up in there and, and, um, everything else is gone. So I have a cuff, which is just a stitching. Okay. So, and they should just call it that they should just say it because it makes it sound like there's more to it than what it, what it really is. So, and I think that's maybe that's why, like my doctor didn't say anything about a cuff. He just said, yeah, like when I, and I asked him after you scared the bejesus out of me about a cuff, <laughs> I asked him about it and he was just like, it's basically, I just sewed that up. Like he didn't really go into any detail, but I'm like, well, Shelly said <laughs> now, see now. Yeah. Well, because that's what I saw online, you know, yeah. so everybody was talking about the cuff. So, <laughs> yeah. so, and I, and I guess it depends on your doctor as well. Like how like in depth they go and then. If you ask those questions, I mean, I think at this point, mine was like, if she asked me one more thing, <laughs> <laughs> if she go on WebMD one more time, because right. that's how I would start my conversation. Um, I saw on WebMD <laughs> and they would be like, oh my God, like she hated that. She said, please don't, don't use WebMD no more. Oh, mine was, I saw on YouTube or I saw in this group. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> So, okay. So the next question we always get, and I know I had this as well, is I can't go to the bathroom. I can't poop. So what should I do? So I, for me, the first time when I had a myomectomy, that's when I, um, I was supposed to be dismissed from the hospital the next day, but they wouldn't release me. And I think this happens to a lot of women, um, until I, until I went to the bathroom and had a bowel movement. So it just didn't happen the second day, the third day, by the third day I was getting scared. Um, and they told me to take, um, what is that, uh, that stuff? Um, I can't remember. It was like Colace they had me on, which is a stool softener. And then some other stuff that was supposed to be more of a laxative. I can't mm. think of the name of it, but none of that worked. And the only thing that worked, this little old nurse came up in there and she saw I was miserable and she read my chart and she said, let me go get you some prune juice. And, yeah. <laughs> and she got me two little containers of prune juice and baby, it, it, it triggered. Okay. So for me, it was prune juice, 
um, that worked. They do Miralax. You know, they tell they told me to take Miralax, which I don't know. I guess that works for some people. But anything that's going to create a sensation for your bowels to wake up and your intestines to wake up again and make you go. And for me, it was definitely the prune juice. For some, it's apple juice. Um, what did you take? Did you take any of that stuff? Um, for after the myomectomy, I don't recall, like th- that really wasn't the reason they kept me in the hospital for like a week, but, um, I don't even remember going at the hospital. Honestly, I think at that point I was like, let me out of here. Um, <laughs> like I just had, I remember having a fever that they could not, I couldn't yeah. get down. But, um, but after this hysterectomy, I mean, my bowels are already, they already got issues because <laughs> I have IBS. And, um, so I was already taking Miralax, like dang near every day anyway. So, um, so I'm like, I'm good when I, you know, after surgery, I can take, take that. That's fine. But it didn't work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It did not help at all. Like not even a little bit. Um, so they, I think I talked to you and you're like, oh my gosh, you, you gotta go, you gotta go. And I'm like, well, I don't know. You're like prune juice and. I did not mm-hmm. want to do prune juice. So I'm like, let me think about what else I could do. I increased mm-hmm. the Miralax, still didn't work. So then I called the nurse and the nurse said, she was like, okay, you could do milk and magnesia. Right. And I was like, gross, but I got some, um, I got that. Mm-hmm. It, nothing. It didn't do anything. And then she said, okay, try some prune juice. And mm-hmm. then go get the glycerin suppositories. Ooh. And so I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. So then I think I was telling, well, maybe it was you. You're like, how you go put that in? I'm like, I'm going to stick it in there because I need to go. Oh <laughs> Sorry, little TMI. But when I tell you I drunk that prune juice and, and like did that suppository, I probably not even five minutes later finally went. And that was mm-hmm. four days post-op. Yeah. See, no, that's too long to not go. Like that's my normal though. <laughs> but see, if that, I guess if that's your normal, <laughs> Sometimes but for that's me, the normal. yeah, that's not normal. And, and after surgery, it really shouldn't be because that's kind of scaring me when you say that, because mm-hmm. the doctors, they, that's how they know if you're, you know, if your bowels are your intestines or anything that they did while they were up in you, if they nicked it, and it can cause all kind of chaos with your, with your intestines. So I didn't know that until my doctor came in after day two and he kind of gave me that look like, oh, if, if you don't go by tomorrow morning, I'm going to have to go back in there. And I said, go back in where, you know, because he said, you're, I don't hear anything in your stomach. He was listening to my stomach and everything. And he didn't hear any, any movement. And so he explained it like your bowels, they don't like to be annoyed. They don't like nothing near it. They don't like to be upset. Yeah. (laughs) He said, so by us being in there to do what we had to do to either remove your fibroids or whatever, it it's in that area and they will shut down just as a protection, you know? And sometimes it takes them a couple of days or, you know, however long to wake back up. So when he explained it, it made sense, but I was scared. And until that lady came in there, that nurse, bless her heart, she gave me two little containers 
and I was going to the bathroom before he got on call that next day. So I think anything that normally works for you on a normal day, if you can take a laxative, if you can take Miralax, that just didn't do nothing for me. And I pretty much drank, you know, use the whole bottle. Um, <laughs> I mean, I did, and it just didn't do nothing. It yeah. just made me feel bloated. Um, yeah. But the doctors will definitely tell you what to take for that. Yeah. The nurse, the nurse, like when she said to do the suppository, she said, because there could be just, just like a, something in there without being completely disgusting, something in there blocking so that it couldn't flow through so that, that, mm. so that just helped loosen things up. So, um, and it I did, just don't and know how you bent over and, and was able to go up there. Listen, none <laughs> of <laughs> 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 your business. <laughs> when you need to go you will figure I guess. it out <laughs> okay well <laughs> and I wasn't about to ask my mom to help so it was like I'm gonna I'm gonna get it <laughs> I mean she's seen it before ain't she so I mean yeah. ain't I no, should ask, be no shame no I'm not asking her that <laughs> not what I knew I could do it it don't take but a quick second to push that thing in there mm. Well, uh, next question, because I was getting ready. Yeah, to... I don't know what you was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> when is it OK to have the sex? Because I see this question All so the time. many times, you know, they're <laughs> like when and, and for a lot of women, it seems like that is the, the determining factor of whether or not they're going to have the hysterectomy or even have any kind of surgery, because it's yep. like. Well, one, and you you know how I feel about this one about like how they are always like, well, my man, what about him? Mm-mm. Have him. <laughs> exactly. Your health exactly. is more important. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Shelly, when is it okay to have sex? Well, I think, you know, the doctors usually say four to six weeks or four to, you know, eight weeks after you've been given a clearance. That's what I was told. Um, after my six week checkup, she said, okay, wait another four weeks and then you can go back to your regular intimate seas. And, um, but a lot of women are not listening and they're going on and they're doing it two, three weeks after they have major surgery because it is major surgery. They're doing it days, days after. Well, yeah, days after, I didn't mean weeks after, days after. And they don't, they, because they don't see it as major surgery only because, they're feeling better after a few days. You know what I mean? They're like, oh man, I felt better after, you know, three or four days after my surgery. And I'm like, really? I was, Mm -hmm. I couldn't even barely get out of bed. And so I think they think that they're okay to go to the next thing. And that is to have sexual. And (laughs) you, I can't even fathom that, honestly. Yeah, I, I just cannot. I don't care what position you're talking about. I don't care what angle. I it to me, even even the time frame that that you know four months or five months after for me was was just just about right, you know. But I say, and I'm not even going to say listen to your body because I don't like when people say that to for this question. Mm-hmm. Um, because your body can be very deceiving. You got all these hormones going off and popping off and you don't know if you physically can do it or if you just got the urge. So I say, listen to the doctors and just pace yourself. Even when you do begin to, 
do the six, as you say. <laughs> right. Well, my doctor told me eight weeks and that my eight week checkup, she said, you're free and clear. I was like, you a lie. Cause I'm not, no, uh-uh. like here I am about to turn the corner to 14, no, 15, almost 15 weeks. And I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah. still don't want to. Um, but I think that I have also seen a lot of women questioning whether or not it's okay to do out external play, I guess is the way they've been wording it. External play. Playing with themselves. Oh, self, (laughs) self love, self love -love or letting their boo do those things for them. And, um, that Mm. is, I, I know there was, I think I saw someone on social media post something about they waited a week and I'm like, I like, Mm. I, I don't, uh, <laughs> that wasn't no. for me. <laughs> I mean, it depends on, it depends on the self-play. Uh, <laughs> Can y'all tell we have entered awkward territory now? <laughs> Look, this, we need, to, this podcast has to be open and honest. It does. Okay. All right. So, you know, but if it's, if it's just a little pattern on, on, on yourself, but when anytime you got to juke something up in there, that's what I'm saying. So you it, mean that's it's okay when it's to rub on your mound and your I hate you for that word <laughs> and your button, but it's, but you can't, <laughs> but you cannot stick anything up no. in there because no, I wouldn't put anything on the inside for eight weeks and like because of the cuff. Which also going back to that, some women have been putting their fingers up in there to check the cuff. Like I, y'all, no. y'all be stressing See, me. Out. Y'all be doing too much, and and we, you know, this is we ain't gonna give the name out of, of the of the board, the Facebook group that we're talking about, where we see all this stuff. But I just say, just you know, take it slow. What is the rush? It ain't going nowhere, right? You know, you don't have just your body needs to heal. Like I said last time on our our last episode, if you don't, you only have one shot to heal correctly. And if you don't and you go up in there and you start fooling around and a stitch stitch unstitches and it could really I mean, it could really it could really have a, a, a worse consequence. And then it, it'll push off more, you know, delayed time for you to do this because you got to heal again. So it just seems like this wait your eight weeks or whatever and pace yourself to go back. And I would as far as. Like, you know, somebody, some people ask, well, what positions? Well, you know, I I would be comfortable with easing into the basic positions for right now. What are the basic positions? Well, you basically laying on your back and you basically, you know, just you ain't going hog wild your first couple of times out. I'll just say that. A, a position where you can be more in control of how much is being going up in there and being <laughs> being rough or, you know, the way these women talk about their men and how they're impatient and all of that stuff. I'm thinking, well, the first time you back in the saddle again, he may, you know, just lose control and, and just, you know, cause right. obviously three or four weeks or five, six weeks is just too long to keep them waiting. So you want to be in a position where you're not, um, you know, restricting him, but you're also making sure that he's not doing too much too soon. I, I think that's how I can say it. 
Well, I asked the doctor, what positions? (laughs) (laughs) And she said, um, she said, you can get on top. And I was like, you're a lie. Mm. My knees are bad. No. (laughs) She said, or um, he could be on top or you could do like from the side. She was like, no, don't do from the back. That's going to have to. No, wait. no. And I was no. like, yeah, I, you know, Absolutely and at that point not. I just was like, you know, I've had enough of that conversation because <laughs> none of this, like <laughs> all of it sounds like it's going to like hurt initially. So I'm yeah. good just being a, a nun over here right now. <laughs> yeah. And giving your body time to heal and, and not worry about that stuff. And I think when we read stuff about women having issues and why, you know, they're asking, well, why do I have uh, a, a smell coming out of there. Why is this happening? And why is it? Because maybe you're not doing, you're not healing pro- properly and giving yourself some time and being patient because I know that was my problem. I, I was very impatient by the second week. Yeah. I want, and not impatient to have sexual, but I was impatient to just get on with my life now, you yes. know, because I was excited. Yeah. So just, you know, regardless of the position, obviously don't do it from the back now because you, you asking for trouble, but just, just be, just take it easy. That's all. Yeah. You can, you can, uh, you know, few weeks on down the line you can ease, go back into doing all that sure hanging from the ceiling and whatever else you know. <laughs> swinging like a cheetah doing your you know. stuff <laughs> yeah yeah no Mm-mm. okay so hot flashes how long do hot flashes last Ooh, I did not know what was happening like I'm like I got my ovaries what is happening um mm. My mother had, cause I was at her apartment and it was so hot in there. I thought, and then she's like, no, you're just having hot flashes. Mm. Well, when I looked at the thermostat, it was like 80 degrees in there. And I was like, it's not me. So then when I got to my <laughs> house where I keep it cool, I was mm. still hot. And I noticed that like, it was like off and on for probably a month, I think. And, um, then it kind of evened out. Like, I don't, I don't really have, I don't have hot flashes anymore, but it was just, I guess, till those ovaries started to wake up, I was having Mm -hmm. hot flashes, but I think it just depends on your body and your ovaries, like how long they decide to be knocked out or whatever. But yeah, it was to the, like, I didn't know what to do for a hot flash. I was Googling. Um, I don't even know if I even asked you, but I just was like, I bought, I I literally was living off popsicles and Mm. sticking my head in the freezer. And I noticed that they were triggered. Some of the, I started to pay attention to when my hot flashes were triggered and it was, somebody was getting on my nerves, it would just be, or if I felt any kind of like stress, yeah, it would just like, it was like somebody turned the heat on hell hot. I, I, I never had, I haven't, when I had my hysterectomy, I didn't have that yet. Knock on wood. I've never had, I didn't have the hot flashes. You didn't? Uh, I'd Mm -hmm. only experienced it after the hysterectomy. I've never had it before. No, nope. I never had it. And I'm thankful. I only had one hot flash in my life and that was in 2020. And I remember um, the AC had went out and so it was hot as hell in there. And then I was trying to stay cool and took a shower, got out of the shower. And all of a sudden I literally felt like I stepped in hell, like my, from the toes all the way up, it just kept, kept getting hotter, 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 hotter. 
And I was like, oh my God, what is this? So I thought I was going to pass out. So I sat on the floor in the, in the bathroom and waited for myself to pass out. Like, <laughs> just <wait>. what? <laughs> I did. I did. Cause I, I felt like the floor was cold. And if I passed out, at least I passed out on the floor. And I don't know why that made sense to me at the time. But then as I was sitting there, it happened so fast, maybe about a minute. And then it went off. Like somebody just literally turned, turned, you know, turn the heat mm-hmm. back off. And I remember calling my mother. I said, I think I just had a hot flash. And she said, well, what did it feel like? And I explained it. And she said, oh yeah, that was one, you know, and then I never had them again. Ooh, it's like, so after my hysterectomy, I, I have never had that. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so my tip is definitely the, the popsicles. Cause it helps to cool down. Like I feel like the inside, so mm. I, I kept popsicles on, on deck, like the outshine ones were my favorites because they were no sugar added. So it was like, it didn't matter how many I ate, mm-hmm. <laughs> but did you um, keep and I still have boxes in their freezer because I'm like, just in case <laughs> it happens again, I won't be like scrambling to find a popsicle. Did you keep a, uh, a wash rag around your neck? No, uh-uh. I just would have the <laughs> fan on the air, have my head in the freezer. <laughs> Oh my god! No, we didn't talk about this. No, and it would last maybe, it, it maybe up to five minutes, and then it'd be fine. But a lot of times it was triggered because, and, that, and that's you know something else that when you're, it was triggered. By, I'm going to be completely honest. Like my job when they were, there was one situation they were bothering me about, and mm-hmm. I'm like two. Through maybe three weeks post-op and it was like the text just kept coming kept coming kept coming phone mm-hmm. calls and, and I'm like I am on leave and I could just feel like the stress was causing the, the hot flashes so that was wow. probably like it was the worst at that point and then the night sweats did you have night sweats well see I I have those all the time anyway I'm I'm a hot-blooded person now uh-huh. no but I have <laughs> oh you get on my nerves <laughs> I've I've always had I'm kind of a a hot person at night. So I literally have to sleep with the ceiling fan on and the AC on, and then I'm undercover and then I'm good. So I couldn't tell, you know, with the night sweats, because my doctor asked me that too. And she said, well, are you having night sweats? And I said, but I already, I've always had night sweats ever since I was a a teenager. So no, I I guess I would have to say they, they ain't much worse (laughs) than they were before. I never had those. I I didn't have them until again, it was at that same period of time, those first four weeks, it was like, I would wake up my shirt or nightgown or whatever I had on would be like soaking wet. And it would just, yeah, my hair would be, you know, feel like my relaxer was (laughs) rolling, coming down my face, (laughs) just so hot. And then it felt like, you know, those hormonal changes, I felt like, well, I didn't know if it was or not. Like, I felt like my deodorant stopped working, all those things. But Mm -hmm that kind of evened out, but it was just like, you know, I stopped sleeping like on my sheets and just sleeping on top of the bed with no cover because it was so hot at night. Oh no. I'm still sleeping like that. Cause I was like, Oh, you don't have to make up the bed when you do that. That's trifling. Yeah. trifling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, but I, um, I guess, you know, my mom tried to prepare me for all of this stuff and she ended up ordering me a pajama set. It's like a top and a short set. And they're supposed to keep you thoroughly cool at night for those of us that have night sweats. So I got to share them with you so you can see. I wear them and 
I, I they do, but for me, it's like I'm still hot, you know. So I don't know if they work for the average person with night sweats or somebody that just always have had have night sweats, but they're for for women who are going through hormonal changes. So I'll show you those and then you can post them on your, you know, your page or you can use them. Maybe you need to get some of them. I don't have hot night flashes anymore. I'm not night sweats and hot flashes. I'm fine now. Oh. <laughs> I'm just lazy. <laughs> I'm just sleeping oh, on top shit. of the covers. <laughs> because then the other, the flip side of that was because then my iron was low. So then I started to be cold. So oh, that was so the you- flip side of like, oh, like. I'm done being hot because now I'm cold. <laughs> yeah. See, there you have a few different things, though, that yeah. could trigger something like that. Yeah. Hmm. So the next yeah. question, which I know you freaked me out about this one, was how much yeah. spotting or blood is okay before I need to panic and call the doctor? <laughs> For me, you know, I didn't, after my hysterectomy, I spotted for a few days, I would say like three days and it was light spotting. It wasn't, um, you know, heavy at all. And then I started notice, you know, after the, when the doctor told me that I shouldn't see any more spotting, um, let's say after the first week and I didn't, you know, it tapered off. It didn't, I didn't have any issues, Um, and the next time that I did see spotting, it was two weeks later. And that was because I was doing too much. I was either doing too much walking around the house or, you know, not, not resting enough. So I think a healthy, um, amount of spotting immediately after your surgery until maybe like the second or third day, some women are actually heavier you know, some women might have heavier spotting, but it shouldn't be enough to wear when you're wearing a pad, because I did wear pads um, the first three weeks, you know, after surgery, but that pad should not be soaked. It shouldn't be like a normal, you know, a normal period. Um, So that's how you should gauge it. And you should also monitor how, what, what activities you're doing. If you're doing too much walking, you most likely will see more you know, spotting. And that's when, you know, you need to sit back, but you'll be able to gauge, um, that spotting. Cause if it just stays the same as it did when you left the hospital for a week, there's, you need to go and talk to the doctor. It shouldn't go on like that, that long. Yeah. I spotted, um, probably for about two weeks, I think. And then, and it was just really literally just light spotting. And I just got those, um, um, what is it called? They're like panty liners, pad? but they yeah. were for postpartum because I, was okay. like, I don't want pads, but I need a panty liner. That's a little bit thicker than a regular mm-hmm. panty liner, just in case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you know what? I still wear those because I feel like when I'm outside walking or working out or and sweating, I don't know. They just make me feel better <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in case I start to feel like my mound is swelling. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. I hate it. I hate it. But, but you know what, what are good is those poise pads, those yeah, poise, that's what I have. Yep, the, the little, pads. yeah, not the full on, you know, but it's like the little, it's a heavier panty liner. That's how yes. I look at it. Yeah. I love those. Yeah. I like those. So I, I do, um, I still have them, I have the stash. And so that's what I, what I used after surgery. Um, mm-hmm. because I was like, I'm, I'm done with them big bulky pads. I'm not wearing oh, yeah. it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I did ask the doctor because Shelly had scared me and I was like, she said she only spotted for three days. And that after that, it's like, I should be concerned. And my, the nurse was like, 
who is this person you keep talking to? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I may not have a medical MD behind my name, but I, you know, come on. Like, but she said and the doctor said because I needed to hear him say it as well they both mm-hmm. said like you know that some women experience like spotting like a week or two and then it may come back like a little bit more blood may come back like at four or five weeks mm-hmm. I didn't experience that I've seen some people yeah. that have that but um yeah I, I did not have that experience at all and yeah. I'm grateful yeah I didn't have none, none of that and I was happy and then when you know after that when I did have that one episode a week or two about I'll say about two weeks later that's when I knew you know and then that's when I called the nurse and she said yeah you probably did too much so if it doesn't stop then you need to come back in because maybe you tore your cuff and I was like ah so you know but Um, and then I want to cut, I want to add this, this question, because this happens a lot too, about bladder. Like, have you noticed any bladder changes? And I did like, I immediately, that's why I got those poise pads because I was like, well, first of all, I'm not getting another maxi pad. If I can save my life, I'm not, but the poise pad was just enough. It was thick enough and it wasn't as heavy, but it was thick enough for me to wear for those first couple of weeks until my bladder got, you know, resituated or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you have any bladder issues? Like you were just. Mm-mm. No. Um, and I was wondering if I would, because my uterus was squishing my bladder because I literally, yeah. I could drink a sip of water before surgery and have to pee. Um, but now I'm like, I don't have to go as often as I did before, but mm-hmm. no, I haven't noticed any any difference except that I don't have to, that, that urgency isn't there and I don't, there's nothing leaking. I don't have to worry about that. Um, yeah. thank goodness. So some, some women experience, um, you know, bladder issues or and just not major bladder issues, but you'll see a change in your bladder sometimes, at least until you start, um, getting stronger, your pelvic floor starts getting stronger. And I actually went to go see a pelvic floor therapist and we'll talk about that on another episode, but um, that helped me, you know, strengthen my pelvic floor. And that's usually doing Kegels and all of that. And then that'll help strengthen your bladder, um, that area so that you won't have those little dribble offs, as I like to call <laughs> Dribble offs. <laughs> oh, okay. So next question. Um, what um, is the next question? Um, you- when do you get released back to work? Cause I've seen that question a lot. And again, it depends on your doctor, what you do for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the doctor said four weeks and I was like, I don't understand. And he, mm-hmm. they're like four weeks and then we'll reevaluate. So for me, um, and I had a, had a desk job where I'm working from home, but I also do like 50 other things. So it was like, okay, let me just eliminate some of my freelance stuff for right now. Mm-hmm. And like, I literally, when I tell you, like for somebody that is always busy and doing a thousand things, it was hard to just be still. Like I literally stopped doing freelance writing, any videos, all like everything. I shut it down. And, um, and I told myself, like, I'm going to allow myself to heal and not get stressed out about that. I'm just going to just heal. And, um, so I took off the first four weeks of work. And when I went back to the doctor, I just had the conversation. That was my first post-op appointment. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm tired. I still hurt. 
I am not ready to like, cause for me, it was still hard to sit up, like yeah. sit at a desk and, yeah. and, um, even sitting on the couch, holding a laptop still hurt. So I was like, I'm not ready. So we extended it to six weeks. And mm-hmm. at that point is when I found out my ferritin was low. So, and then I had to do those five iron infusions, like literally one every other day. And I was like, now I'll go back to work in six weeks. And I got to do this for two more weeks. Like, no. So yeah. I stayed out eight weeks. And even then after eight weeks going back, it was still very slow going and I was still tired and still just having to take a nap and, or lay down or turn, just turn that computer off or lean over and jiggle the mouse. <laughs> like I was doing something yeah. or, you know, I just had to, and, and luckily I work for a company that um, my manager, she understood. And she was just like, if you need to rest, just let me know, go, go rest. You can, you know, make up the hours later or whatever. So that has been super helpful. Yeah. I think about I, you? For, for me, I was out six weeks and, um, I was on FMLA, so they give you eight weeks. Um, at least I had eight weeks left and, um, I was just kind of like, you know, let's see how I do after six weeks. And my doctor cleared me and she was like, okay, you're, you're, you're able to go back. How do you feel? And I said, yeah, I can go back. And what my director said is, look, we're going to do you half days so you can go home. Um, you know, even though you're cleared to come back to work, but you may not want to sit here all day in a seat, you know, in a mm-hmm. seated position. So if you want to work from home a few days or leave early, that's fine. And for me, I learned after my myomectomy that, yeah, I needed more time. I was home for eight weeks the first time. So this time I said, okay, I'm going to do six weeks, but I'm going to also watch and see how I feel afterwards. And having that part-time ability to come in and, you know, maybe work from home a few days that helped you that, that definitely helped. So I would say, listen to your doctor, you know, Mm -hmm. get, get, listen to your body with that and listen to your doctor and also, um, know yourself because some doctors were releasing women at four weeks. I'm like, I don't understand how you went back after four weeks. Um, so listen to your body. And if your doctor is like, oh no, you can go back after, after three weeks, four weeks, you should be able to, you know, do what you need to do. You ain't going to want to do that. So just take, take that time to listen to what your body is telling you to do and do it. If you can, you know, if you have the ability to stay home, stay home. I will say that with my myomectomy, I was out 12 weeks and I only went, and then I went back part-time, but I was working Mm -hmm. in a high stress environment. Um, a newsroom, so a TV newsroom. And so I only went back and working part-time for like, I think a couple months after that, but I was also dealing with that leg issue as well. But, um, but yeah, so it's like, you do have to just listen to your body. And even with this, this hysterectomy, even though I've gone back to work and, and I only, honestly, I only work 30 hours a week anyway. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then do the other things the rest of the time. So I'm just now to the point where I have reintroduced my freelance writing and doing my videos. And even then I've put a cap on it because I'm still in recovery mode. So I'm like, I'm not doing, you know, videos where I might do like 30, 45 minute interviews. I I won't do those right now. Only do like those that are up to 10 minutes just because I'm, I'm not ready to jump into the volume that I was doing before, which is insane mm-hmm. of doing mm-hmm. like those multiple, like sometimes three, four times a week on top of like writing 
mm-hmm. 50 gazillion articles. <laughs> like there's no way I, I just, I couldn't do it and still yeah. can't. So yeah, just yeah. listen to your body. Yep. Um, what about as far as clothing, like Ooh. when do you get to pay, get put, put back on your favorite skinny jeans and get back into your paints that you used to wear? <laughs> no, that's funny. Um, uh, well, I, I will say I kept trying the first couple of weeks, like I'm gonna just put them on and my stomach would be mm-hmm. like, girl, uh-uh. but I'd say mm-hmm. by the third, maybe going into the fourth week, I could put the jeans on and button them. Couldn't mm. go nowhere or sit in them, but I could do that. So I, I actually just wore the jeans for the first time, just going out somewhere probably two weeks ago. And mm. so that would have been like, what, about 12 weeks. Um, okay. And it wasn't comfortable. So I'm still living in my leggings, in my gym shorts, because I'm again, I'm working <laughs> from home. So who cares? And if I go anywhere... I'm still going to have some leggings on because it's what's comfortable right now. Cause my, I don't know why my stomach's still sensitive, like with stuff pressing on it. So I'm not, oh, not wearing okay. jeans, but I did find some like jeggings that I might. Jeggings. Yeah. You know, some, some jean the, leggings. The nineties. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I, I, you know, I love in the summer wearing little itty bitty denim shorts. <laughs> and so I was like, you I do be wearing them shorts. I don't I understand. Can't be, I can't, but oh, I mean, I can button them, but I just don't, that button pressing up against my stomach isn't comfortable. So I any kind to, of elastic so around I broke that down stomach. and bought some elastic jean shorts. And I was like, mm. Mm, well, nobody can tell these are elastic, <laughs> but it just makes me feel some kind of way. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because I'm trying to be a hot girl, hot girl look, summer Look, <laughs> with elastic. Okay. You know what? That elastic came in handy. I I still I think up until maybe seven or eight months for me, I didn't I didn't get back in my jeans. I didn't get I wore pull on pants and to work. You know, I had to have um, a uh, no, but nothing with a button on my pants, nothing with a zipper. Um, So, yeah, I was I was pretty much in buttonless elastic pants just you know because I couldn't ha- I didn't like nothing pressing on my stomach not even just a little bit because my yeah. stomach stayed tender for months um so I think as far as fitting back into your jeans and doing all that you you definitely once again gotta listen to your body and when you're ready because if you're going to work in certain uncomfortable pants or jeans or you have a job where you can wear jeans all day or whatever I would, I would caution that because I wore some jeans back to work probably in my fifth month. And by the time I got home, like my, I had to literally half a day, I had to literally have my belly hanging over my, my pants (laughs) where that, you know, because it was setting too tight on my stomach um, and my stomach was still swollen and bloated. So I don't know. I think it's, it's really an individual preference. I think it's when your body is ready. Most women, after they have the hysterectomy and they lose their, their bloating and the swelling and all that, um, within the first couple of months, maybe the first month, they go back to wearing their regular stuff and they're fine. So I think it just depends on you. And and that's, I think that was one of the biggest things for me was comparing myself to other people. Like they fit in mm-hmm. their jeans. 
why yeah. my stomach keeps swelling when I put mine on or like, you know, just, I was so, <laughs> I, I decided to wear mine to like the dollar store and I couldn't breathe because my yeah. stomach was swelling the more I walked around and yeah. somebody, I ran into somebody, they wanted to make conversation. I'm like, look, I got to go home because <laughs> I yeah. can't breathe in these pants. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even wear workout pants because of the, the tightness, you yeah. know, anything that was tight around your stomach or I just couldn't do it. So, mm-mm. So whenever you feel you're ready, you can try on some of those different items that you wore before and see, you know, see if it fits or if you're comfortable. The main thing is you don't want to be uncomfortable for a long period of time. So if you got to wear skirts that ain't got or dresses that don't have any kind of anything touching your stomach for a while, then I would I would recommend that. What else? What is um, I guess on on top of that, let's talk about the swelling and the bloating. Yes. Like, like we mentioned though, that, well, like for me, my, I'm still bloated and swelling and, um, just as throughout the day, especially cause I, I go for walks throughout the day to calm my nerves when people are getting on my nerves. Um, <laughs> and, or like, you know, even just doing like when I got up this morning, I was like, dang, my stomach looked good. But after I finished doing my stretching and going up and down the steps a few times, I'm like, well, it's back. Like, you know, so, um, so yeah, and I'm still icing my stomach because it just feels in my head. It makes me feel like it's doing something. But at night, mm-hmm. like I'll put an ice pack on my stomach and then um, almost like I'm kind of icing it down for the day because it's swollen. But I don't know. I think everybody's body is pretty much different because I've seen some women say that their swelly belly went away after like mm-hmm. a month or, or two months. And then there are, there's others who've said it's taken a year. And then even right. five years, they still have it. So I'm ready for it to get gone. But, you know, I think it just depends on your body. And, and I think I read somewhere where they said it depends on your body's reaction to like stress because you've been through a stressful time, traumatic experience. Um, yeah. But when I had my myomectomy, I don't remember having all this swelling. And maybe it was because then I did wear a binder um, mm-hmm. and, and I was a different type of surgery. It wasn't. I didn't have, it was, you know, obviously that like C-section looking scar. So it wasn't, um, you don't have like the four incisions or even five incisions. It's, I don't know. You're not removing a a body part. (laughs) So maybe that's the difference. Yeah, it, it definitely, I knew because my doctor, she told me, she said, well, this, the swelling, even though it's been, it was six weeks at that time, she was like, um, it'll, it's going down. It'll go down. She was like, you're, you're healing nicely. You know, the, the incisions, um, you know, they, they were healing very well. So I didn't have any complaints about that, but the, my stomach was still bloated. And I was like, listen, you know, if it's still going to look the same way it did prior to, I should have just kept it, you know, like, right. And she said, <laughs> and she said, no, it'll, it's going to take time to go down because, um, you know, it's just, it's still swollen. Like it's still swollen. So give it a couple of months. And then after a couple of months, I'm like, okay, I noticed it started to go down. Um, and you know, I don't feel as tender on my stomach anymore. So I think it, it really, and also it, it, it depends on what you're eating too. So separate what you're eating from your healing and how it's supposed to go down. But if you're starting to eat junk or you're starting to do things that is just going to put weight on top of that. Cause I I'm convinced now that it's fat now on my belly. It ain't nothing else dealing with the 
<laughs> the mound <laughs> or nothing like that is is nothing but fat because I'm sitting around here eating stuff I didn't have no business eating. So, um, but just you know, don't get so impatient with that part because I know I kind of did. Um, and I see all these other women, you know, with the with this question. I know Shamika said this, but it really just takes time for your body to get readjusted. You just got to look at it that way and don't worry about the swelling and all of that. It's going to come down. Um, just start doing your regular routine, your workout routines or whatever. And that is going to, you know, help it too. One, one thing that I read that actually helped explain it very well, because I was just like, is something wrong with me? There was a, mm-hmm. it's a blog and I will have to find the actual link and, you know, link it back to maybe my blog or something, but where it explained about basically how, you know, there's been a disruption inside. So you've got a lot of inflammation in there. And, and as we know, inflammation causes swelling. And they were like, think of it as, you know, you are, say you have a sprained ankle. And mm-hmm. if you, the more you walk on it, because it's inflamed and angry, the yeah. more it's going to swell until it's calmed down and healed. So I think of it that way as, oh, okay, I'm still healing. It's still inflamed, but I mm-hmm. still make sure I'm still watching what I'm eating, drinking my water, still working out, you know, the best I can, but also still trying to be mindful that my cuff still has stitches. So I need to, and that's the other thing you're, you don't, you may still have stitches, so you're still healing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of different factors, but I will try to remember to, um, find that blog to share that because I think that for me, it put things into perspective better. Yeah. And it's, it's good to just, we have to be reminded that our bodies, they, it, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it knows what to do. We just need to let it do what it's going to do, what it needs to do for itself. Um, and that's something that I had to learn too, that it's, it, you took out a major part of its function. So now it's learning how to function without the uterus and the hormones have to readjust and everything has to get back into alignment. And that takes time. You know, a friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine told me it took, it took about a year Um, sometimes even a little bit longer before they were able to get back to normal. So just be patient and give yourself um, and your body time to heal. And of course, the very last question is, you know, what items should I have on hand after surgery, before surgery? I, I have a list of, well, I have a list of some things you can do to prepare for surgery and then some things for after surgery um, on my blog, themofochronicles.com. So, you know, again, Shelly is the one that kind of nudged me like, <laughs> are you ready? And I was like, ready? <laughs> like, what you mean? <laughs> like I, I shaved my legs. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> I didn't know anything about all the things that I would need after surgery. So it's just some things that, you know, she gave me, um, you know, the list she texts me and then some of the things that I just kind of discovered on like what helped me out. And of Mm -hmm. course, again, everybody's different. So you can find what helps you and what doesn't help. But I will say gas X is your friend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely gas X. Um, the Colay stool softener that helped, that helped me. 
Um, what else? Just different things. Like if you do have to stay over, just make sure to bring something with you. Bring a little night, a night bag, overnight bag with you. You'll spend a night bag. You'll spend a night bag. (laughs) (laughs) I took a gown. I took like footies. I don't know why I took a gown for, but I figured I was going to be there long. I don't know. Footies, toothbrush, toothpaste, just different things that you'll need to be comfortable for that day, or if it turns into a couple of days, you don't know. So you want to make sure that you have, um, your eye solution, your, I wear contacts. So I had to bring that, um, you know, maybe a, your computer, what your phone charger, mm-hmm. your, uh, iPad, um, different thing. Peppermint was good for me. Like I needed peppermint tea. Cause that helps with gas too. Um, what else? What did you bring? Um, nothing. <laughs> Just <laughs> like I, when I had the myomectomy, I literally knew nothing because I didn't know anybody that had it before. So I just was like, this is what I would take if I was going to spend the night somewhere. So I, that's what I took in it. But I had my parents here. So, and my sister. So if I needed anything, they could run to the house to get it. But right. I don't, um, I honestly don't remember much about that time except all I wanted to eat was the Jello. Hospital, <laughs> the Jello was—I don't know what they put in that Jello, but it was good. Um, and of oh. course, like you know, we we were talking about this before the show, but like chapstick. But I always have chapstick on hand anyway. Yeah. Um, but that—that's helpful to have. Um, a little brush and comb, mm-hmm. you know, unless you have your hair in a style that you know you won't get messed up or whatever. But I needed a brush and comb. Um, what else? Well, there's a, there's a list. We have a list for you guys because you'll see some of the basics. It's basic stuff that we needed. I would say even get some of those travel size things that you find in, in Walgreens, like for $2 or whatever, um, travel size deodorant, travel size mouthwash, um, lotion, all those things. Yeah. So just make sure you have some stuff on hand when you go to the hospital and then make sure you've done prep time. Um, You know, maybe prep your meals that you're going to want for the next couple of weeks, freeze them. That helped me a lot. That way I didn't have to stand up cooking and everything. I did not do that. (laughs) Of course you didn't listen to me. Well, because I knew that, um, well, one, I knew I wasn't going to be at my house for at least two weeks and then my mom was going to be here, you know, on with me for that the next week. So I just didn't think about that. Um, but I also do a meal prep service. So when the meals, so when I restarted that, that helped me to have those meals. All all I had to do was heat them up. So, um, the only thing was, you know, they dropped the box at the front door and I was like, how am I going to get this in the house? So I literally would have to take one at a time out of the box, carry it in the house, come back, get the next one. Oh my God. Well, so you can check out the list on Shamika's um, website that will give you a starter list, a starter packet to um, get the things that you need prior to surgery and then things that you'll need after surgery. Yes, themofochronicles.com. And again, if you guys have any questions, anything you want to know about, anything you want us to talk about on this show, please drop us a line. Again, you can, I have an email address on themofochronicles.com or you can post it in the comments. I'll see it. Um, 
where can they message you, Shelly? They can email me at Shelly at coachingbyshelly.com or on my Instagram or Facebook account at coachingbyshelly. And Shelly is spelled with a C, just in case y'all didn't know, but it is spelled with a C. So Coaching by Shelly, you can definitely reach me and send me your questions and your comments. And we'll be glad to um, hear you out and see what, you know, if we can add those topics to our show. Yes, I think that covers it for today. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed everything. I hope this was informative. Yes. And if, again, if we miss anything, let us know because, you know, we obviously can't answer every single question that you may have, but definitely let us know and we'll be back for another episode soon. All right, guys, take care. Thank you for tuning in to the ladies edition. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast and tune in next time for more riveting conversation. Thank you.